This installment of AX Insider Podcast features a discussion with Bill Swellbar, Chief Industry Strategist with Delta Airport Consultants, which provides an array of services to airports, ranging from program management to financial planning. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the AX Insider Podcast. My name is Andy Telejohn. I'm a senior writer at Airport Experience News. We've been primarily looking so far on this podcast and how the COVID-19 pandemic is going to change the face of airport design, both in the short and long term. Today, we're shifting gears a bit to talk about what the industry is going to look like as it recovers uh, as a whole from the damage inflicted by this coronavirus. With us today is Bill Swellbar, the Chief Industry Strategist with Delta Airport Consultants, which provides an array of services to airports ranging from program management to financial planning. Thanks for joining us, Bill. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, You've been studying this uh, pretty much from the get-go. The aviation industry, airports in particular, lost up to 95% of the traffic almost overnight in March. Uh, You and your firm have been uh, diving into what this is going to look like uh, both now and in the future. Uh, You just came out with your August uh, insights. Uh, As the summer heads toward the fall, amid a second wave of this virus uh, in many states around the country, are there any glimmers of hope you can pass along uh, to airports, operators, and other stakeholders? You know, Andy, we're always looking for the glimmer of hope. And uh, I I think looking at the airlines themselves don't necessarily emanate a lot of hope at this point as we move into the post-Labor Day period where I think things are going to get a little dark. But on the other side of that, we need the economy to begin to recover. I mean, we need people back to work. We need people that, that have disposable income. Um, and while it is that GDP in the second quarter was down nearly 33%, I mean, mind-boggling number, um, what was encouraging was that manufacturing activity as measured by the Institute of Supply Management um, demonstrated that the economy was in an expansive mode from their perspective. Um, I'm a big fan of that metric. I appreciate that two months in an expansion uh, expansion area of, uh, uh, um, you know, their, their measure uh, does not make a trend, uh, but nonetheless, it suggests that there are some things percolating in the economy. Okay. Uh, well, that's, uh, that's hopeful. Uh, on the other hand, your report also this month uh, indicates that your initial forecasts that had shown that uh, uh, we might be getting to back to about 40% of 2019 levels by later this year may have been a bit aggressive. Uh, what changed there and uh, just how aggressive are you talking with those projections? <laughs> well, I don't want to, I, I don't want to make, you know, it's when we did the 40, when we came up with 40% in our initial you know, we, we did a macroeconomic forecast and we kind of overlaid that. Um, and, you know, th- this is, you know, trying to follow your gut a little bit. And, you know, out of the computer came 40% and you went, nah, that can't be right. Um, it's, you know, it's way too low. Um, but now, I mean, as we were now at the uh, end of August um, and the TSA throughput is a percent of, 2019 has never reached 30 um, through this. Um, and we know that capacity is getting pulled back um, post Labor Day. 
um, it's feeling like maybe 40% uh, might be a good outcome. Uh, that is not necessarily the optimism we'd been hoping to hear uh, going forward, but uh, your report cites a number of different reasons why that might be the case. Uh, going into the perhaps even longer term a bit, uh, you discussed uh, some factors in there such as Zoom, where we're recording this podcast, uh, the hassle factor of a likely, gun, uh, likely elongated airport experience as this all evolved, and then the impact that uh, COVID has had both on consumer confidence and consumer pocketbooks as concerns is your, uh, is your sense that even as this does recover over the next couple of years, that, uh, uh, that a long-term recovery may still even be smaller than what we were looking at previously? You know, Andy, I, I mean, we all wanted the V-shaped recovery, right? We wanted to take the dive and we wanted to bounce right back. Um, we have always had the view that the recovery looks more like a square root symbol uh, with a long tail. Um, and yes, there's going to be some bounce back, um, but then we kind of see things, um, you know, not that interesting in terms of growth. Uh, and a lot of that just simply has to do that we believe that the damage that's being done to this economy is deep. Um, so many jobs that were there on March 15th of 2020 are probably not going to return. I mean, you can go to your go to your newsfeed every day. There's a new bankruptcy where chain of restaurants is going to file for bankruptcy. Um, things are smaller, but it's those those are the people um, that work and have disposable income to travel, and they like to travel, and so. Yeah, I'm, I, 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 we're going to recover. I just think it's going to be a slow recovery, um, primarily because of, of, of the damage to the economy. From a hassle factor perspective, we kind of look back to 9-11. I mean, if, if those that remember that, um, there was a, you know, when, when security, time and security lines went up and, and the boarding process was longer. And, you know, people, especially on short haul flying, started driving. Um, and this time, you know, we're of the view that if airport dwell time is going at, at, you know, small airports is going to take a long time, um, or, you know, it, it, people are going to begin to drive. And the question is going to be too, um, are the airlines going to be interested in serving all of those markets that are fairly close, you know, to their hub? Is that going to be economic for them? Or would they rather have people take to the highway and use the large hub airport? And I think we're going to see some of that. Um, and, you know, this, this thing begins and ends with the consumer. And uh, we need that consumer uh, to be comfortable um, that air travel is safe from a health perspective. Um, yes, a vaccine is going to be important, but I think it's going to take a little more than a vaccine as well. You hit on the uh, on some of the short haul traffic, and that uh, you know that was another aspect of your report that jumped out at me a bit here. Uh, regional air service uh, is uh, seems to be struggling uh, at an even higher level, and maybe this is uh, maybe this is what you'd expect. But uh, uh, what uh, what will the impact there, both now and down the line, be on the airport system as a whole? 
Yeah, and it's a it's a great question, and I have a long history uh, in my career of uh, being a, an advocate for small community air service. But we may have met our match here. Um, if we, you know, there really are really just four carriers that contract with regional carriers to supply feed to their hubs, um, and that's American, Delta, United, and Alaska. Um, and if we just think about the fact that American, Delta, and United are going to be distinctly smaller on the other side of the curve, well, then some hubs are going to be smaller on the other side of the curve. Uh, of, of the curve, um, smaller smaller hubs mean less connectivity. Less connectivity means I don't need as many small airports to feed fewer mainline airplanes, um, and so therefore, um, just like the the small airports struggled um, after the Great Recession, uh, when we really saw for you know it truly was a lost decade for non-hub airports. Uh, that that saw their departures down 40% um, from from when the Great Recession started. Um, so, you know, I'm afraid we're in for a, a second bout um, of uh, uh, some some issues for the for the smaller airports on the system. Okay. Okay. Uh, interestingly, um, in in following up on that. Uh, some of the non-legacy carriers, the Southwest, Allegiance, Spirits, and Frontiers, you know, that perhaps are uh, not necessarily the ones that are the biggest players at the large hub airports, are being more aggressive about bringing capacity back online. Uh, what can we draw from that? Uh, is that a little bit brighter picture than the smaller regional air uh, system? Yeah, if you don't mind, I think I'm going to take that and kind of split that because Southwest is its own animal, right? I mean, it's uh, it's the largest domestic airline. Um, but I think what it is we have to appreciate in this environment that the balance sheet is the competitive tool that separates airlines today. And that airline has the strongest balance sheet in the industry. And I believe that it is going to use that balance sheet to grow aggressively at the expense of the three network carriers in order to grab some share longer term. As for the ULCCs, they have, and that is the spirits and the allegiance and the frontiers. Um, Spirit has a nice balance sheet, Allegiant has a terrific balance sheet, and we really don't know what Frontier is because it's not a publicly held company. That said, um, you know, they, they certainly saw an opportunity to put capacity back into the system, um, you know, but we think about how it is that whether it's continuation of the first wave or the beginning of a second wave, I don't know where we are in terms of the virus, but it certainly has infected those states that are important destination markets to the ULCCs, namely Florida, Texas, Arizona, California. Um, and um, even now, uh, while the ULCCs made a good bet and put capacity back in the air in June and July and August, even they are beginning to are are, are saying we're going to pull down some capacity after Labor Day. Um, so you know it's uh, it's it's affecting everybody right now that you know people just aren't coming back into the system. And the bottom line is, man, if we weren't putting people on airplanes in June, July, and August, 
it's really going to be a rough, rough year. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's the uh, that's the peak travel time for sure. And yes, uh, you do seem to have a couple states out there that are trying to almost experiment with what it would look like if their entire population caught the COVID virus. So uh, it, it does uh, certainly not... Uh, uh, not a great picture. Uh, is there anything to be drawn from uh, the, uh, at least comparably, slower return of the legacy carriers in terms of bringing back capacity uh, and what that might mean for the larger hub airports? Yeah, I, I, that is uh, the million-dollar question. And if you think about the three legacy carriers, American, Delta, and United particularly, their lifeline is business revenue. It is that first class chair across the ocean or from New York to California. Every day, Apple would put 48 business class passengers on a flight from San Francisco to Beijing. To, to Beijing. I'm gonna make a bet with you right now that that's not gonna happen tomorrow. And those 48 passengers buying, buying business class and first class tickets did a lot of cross-subsidizing the rest of that network. And so I think we all, we all desperately want to see the business revenue come back. But the longer we Zoom, like you and I are doing today, and the longer we team, and, and the longer we discover that you can, you can work at home and, and communicate via, via, other, via other means, um, I don't think that business class revenue is going to ever resemble what it resembled in 2019. Never resemble what it did in 2019. For a long time. It's going to be a long, long time. Um, okay. And especially when you consider that, um, you know, the network carriers have pulled back, you know, two thirds of their, two thirds of their airline. Um, so, you know, you're, the second part of your question was the impact on the large hub airports. Well, I mean, there's a lot of impact on the large hub airport, uh, especially those that were hubs. Um, and you think about the concessionaires and the vendors and the, and the like that need that airport throughput in order to survive, that traffic's going to be less. Um, and so, you know, that business model, the airport business model is being forced to rethink itself as the airlines try to figure out what they're going to be on the other side of all this. Bill Swellbar, Chief Industry Strategist with Delta Airport Consultants. You, uh, you guessed right if you were wondering if I was a gambling man, but I'm not gutsy enough to take the bet that you just offered me right now. <laughs> uh, you, uh, you wrote in this uh, report uh, for August that, the mountain region has seen 70% of its 2019 capacity restored. The Midwest, Southwest, and Southeast regions are around 60%. Now you've also indicated that some of that may get pulled back a bit after Labor Day, but uh, those markets are returning faster than Boston, New York, Washington, California markets. Uh, what do we draw from that uh, as far as the airport industry as a whole? Yeah, I, good question. I think some of it's geographic. And if we think about the West, the distances are longer. We're going over mountains. The drive is not so easy. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm not surprised that the, the mountain region has bounced back. But if we even think about where the industry was pre-pandemic, 
uh, the mountain region was particularly strong from an economic point of view. Um, and I, I do believe that that has continued. You have, um, you know, big hubs. I mean, Denver, you know, really is a, a terrific market for the local passenger, for the connecting passenger. And the carriers have continued to grow at Denver. Um, so I, I think some of it is the economies were generally good. And I think some of it is geographic. And, uh, and that is their, 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 you know, their proclivity is to fly and not drive. Okay. Okay. So what is the longer term? I know that this is a little bit like throwing darts right now with so many <laughs> things up in the air yet, but uh, do you have a longer term outlook yet? In the, I mean, 2019 was a record year for a lot of airports. So that's, yeah. uh, you know, so that's chasing some big numbers there, but uh, you know, how long before we start pushing some of those counts, how long before, uh, you know, you can start thinking in terms of profits and and uh, everybody having uh, you know, the buckets being full enough where we're not worried about who's uh, who's making sure that uh, even the even the bills are paid. Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, as you kind of think about. Um, I'm going to put airlines first because airports need airlines to put capacity back into the air in order to put people in the terminals. Um, and you know, from an airline perspective, here it is, we said, carriers are burning, let's call it uh, uh, $25 million a day among friends. Um, so we kind of need to get from a cash negative perspective to a cash neutral, to a cash positive, and then we can talk about profitability. So I, I mean, I think we're really, you know, three, four years away. Uh, from when it is that, you know, the carriers are profitable and may again begin to invest in the business. Right now, uh, Andy, th this this is about, um, let, let's get to April of 2021 and, and uh, hopefully we sold a lot of tickets for the summer of 2021 in uh, February and March. Okay, okay. Uh, we talked a little bit about how uh, COVID cases being up domestically are affecting domestic travel and the outlook for airports here in the U.S. Uh, it's a few weeks ago now that the European Union refused to uh, start uh, looking at uh, international flights from the U.S. Uh, what can you talk about uh, in terms of the, the near future, medium future of uh, international traffic coming from the U.S.? You know, if, 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 if the domestic picture is a mess, then international is clear as mud. Um, and it has so much to do. You know, we have all these restrictions. Um, we have, you know, just the general not want to fly. Uh, you know, it's kind of similar to um, right after 9-11, right? It took the international market a long time to come back. Um, and a longer time to come back than the domestic market. And I think we're going to see the same thing here. Um, the restrictions will go away. Um, but, you know, you've, you've seen Delta talk about putting down its 777 fleet. I mean, it's 767 fleet. Um, you know, clearly uh, the carriers are saying that, yes, we too believe the international market is going to be slow to come back. Um, and as we just talked about in the in the in the San Francisco Beijing example for Apple, you know the bread and butter is that that first class chair, and 
you know, that, that you're paying five to seven to $10,000 to fly from New York to London. Um, it's going to be different tomorrow. And, uh, uh, so therefore, uh, it, it's going to be, it's going to be slower. Um, it's going to be a slower return. Um, and if we think about the domestic system, the domestic system feeds a lot of passengers to those international flights. And so it kind of has this, this domino effect that no international flying, it impacts domestic flying and, and, uh, you know, and, and the like. So, you know, here we be. Okay. Okay. Uh, you recently wrote an op-ed for Aviation Daily. A couple points I'd like to ask about on that front. Uh, sure. You, you noted that airport infrastructure investment uh, is going to be necessary, even with the downturn in traffic. Uh, ACINA comes out every year with their, uh, their look at what upgrades are needed for infrastructure uh, here in the U.S., uh, those numbers are always really big. With traffic down, uh, I've been curious to know what's going to happen to that. Your sense is that uh, infrastructure investments still going to be necessary. Why and and how and is now with airports, uh, you know, with much less flying going on, is now a good time to be doing some of those projects? Yeah, some of my thinking here is a little bit uh, contrarian, if you will. But if you just kind of think about a physical asset, which is a gate, um, and the fact that airlines are going to bring an airplane into the gate, they're going to clean the airplane a little more more extensively than they have in the past. The boarding process uh, is going to... Uh, take longer because of physical distancing. That means that that gate is less efficient in today's world than it was yesterday. So even if we were to try to accommodate 2019 levels of traffic, today's gates in certain markets are not going to be able to handle all that because simply they won't be able to handle the same number of flights um, that they did prior. Um, so. That is one of the reasons, and I don't think we need to build every infrastructure project, uh, but large hubs and the bigger medium hubs, I, I mean, we need, to, we need to build that infrastructure. And then there's going to be, quite honestly, those, those smaller markets that survive. And if in, this, in this COVID world, depending on how long it goes, I mean, just think about hold rooms that would need to be expanded. Um, just to have some semblance of physical distancing, that kind of thing. So, I, I, I mean, I, when, I, when I wrote this piece, um, I, I didn't expect it to be on everybody's A-list. And boy, Bill, I love you for writing that. But I think one of the things that is, has troubled me is we, we spend so much time on kind of a singular focus as to how to fund airport projects. I think we have to appreciate that there's no one size fits all to this problem and this issue. And we need to talk about that. And if, if in a, at a time when we're adding so much debt um, to, the, to, to, the, to the national economy, um, I, my bet is, is that um, 
uh, uh, money for airports and the like tomorrow is going to be less as we're going to spend more time paying interest uh, than we are potentially investing in our infrastructure. So I think we need to be much more efficient um, and decide where it is that those choke points are in the system and to try to build this, build a system where people that demand access can have access in a specific market. Okay. Uh, you, uh, this is uh, Bill Swellbar, Chief Industry Strategist with Delta Airport Consultants. You also indicated in that piece the need for a national commercial aviation policy. Uh, that, uh, that jumped out at me a bit. I assume we're not going back uh, as far as the regulation uh, era days, but uh, what does a national aviation policy mean and what would it look like in your eyes? Yeah, when I, when I, when I wrote this, and I'll, I'll agree it's, it's narrow, um, but kind of given this COVID environment, in, in, from my perspective, the zero demand environment is a pause where it is that we can all think about what this airline system, this airport system is going to look like, you know, down the road. Um, and in order to do that, uh, if we kind of think back to the freight railroad industry that was struggling mightily in the, in the, in the late 70s, um, and, you know, there was legislation passed um, that, that, that helped the, the, the freight rail business fix itself. But part of that was there were, there was uh, a number of, of ways that antitrust immunity was applied. And it allowed the freight rail industry to talk to, talk to customers about pricing and, 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 and talk about sensitive commercial issues. And rather than have airlines and airports kind of point fingers at each other, um, that you're the problem, it just seems to me that this is a time when we should sit down and appreciate that infrastructure needs to be built, but that airlines and airports kind of need to, they need to get together and figure out how best to do this um, when, when resources are constrained. Bill Swellbar, Chief Industry Strategist with Delta Airport Consultants. Thank you for taking some time to share some thoughts today. Anything you'd like to add that we haven't hit on? You know, Andy, I, I think there are a couple things. I think this has been a pretty significant week um, on the regional side of the business, and I know that was an important part of our conversation today. But, you know, very early on in the, in the process, Delta announced that it was going to park 50 55 of its 125 50-seat jets. Um, last week, uh, last, yeah, last week, whatever. It's hard to keep track of the news. Um, you know, United chose uh, between Commute Air and ExpressJet, and ExpressJet is no longer going to be. Uh, and the wholly owns of Envoy and PSA at American have announced that they're going to furlough. Republic has announced that it might furlough up to 40,000 of it, or 40 percent of its of its workforce and sky even skywest the 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 king of the of the regional business um, has suggested that they too uh, might need to get smaller and again I mean if hubs are going to be smaller I need less regional feed as we as we talked about so the fact that we we saw some furloughs in the announced or potential furloughs in the regional space, I think is an important breadcrumb 
that this network is going to get smaller. Um, and then also, even the ULCCs announced this week that they too are considering some furloughs. So that's kind of, you know, um, different than where it is they were when, you know, they were prepared to grow and grow aggressively, and they did. Um, I think even they appreciate that the, what they're seeing in terms of advanced bookings after Labor Day um, is, is uh, less than they had hoped. Okay, so not a lot of, uh, not a lot of uh, great uh, trends taking place right now. And uh, you had also indicated in your report that there might even be uh, some airline uh, bankruptcies, uh, or uh, you know, uh, or, or even uh, you know, going away altogether of of, uh, of airlines uh, throughout the whole recovery of uh, the COVID process here. Uh, uh, what would the impact uh, of that be? Without naming any uh, potential names, there, what impact would that have on the airport system as a whole? Well, I certainly thank you for not making me answer that, that question specifically. Um, uh, but uh, anyway, I, I, I do believe that we're going to lose some hubs. Um, and while it is that our, our initial work here assumes that all carriers will operate tomorrow, um, I think the one thing that we have to watch closely is, is there going to be enough business revenue to support all of the network carriers that are so dependent on that? Um, and can they right-size their cost structure and their network in order to adapt um, to that revenue environment? And I think that's really the sector we're all going to watch. Um, and uh, that is the sector that I think uh, gets, on, gets no credit on Capitol Hill for connecting so many small communities and keeping, keeping so many markets relevant on, from an economic development point of view and the like. Um, but uh, that is the, that's the sector of the business I think we've got to pay some attention to. Bill Swellbar, Delta Airport Consultants, thank you for taking some time today.